Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello everyone, welcome back. I hope you're ready for another awesome word, um, discovering more of the goodness and the nature of God and the reality of your Christian faith here with Grace Life. Uh, we are in Duras and I'm Alicia. It's really awesome to have you here. So if it's summer, grab a glass of water like what I'm doing. If it's winter, grab a cup of coffee. If you just like coffee, grab a cup of coffee and uh, your Bible and your notes. And we're going to get right into this. I'm excited to be sharing with you this morning or well, this afternoon, wherever it is with you. And um, it's going to be great fun. Mm. Let's start with prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can excite, be excited anytime we get into your word because you are sharing life and truth, goodness, wholeness, and yourself with us. Thank you that we can know you because you want to be known. And thank you that as we know you, our lives are being transformed more and more into the image of Christ in us. We are coming, becoming more of who we really are. Thank you for the revelation of the word and thank you that it will penetrate our hearts deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we have been looking at um, the topic of the goodness of God. So basically touching and explaining the nature of God because there's so many different views and opinions in the world out there. And we need to be careful that those views and opinions of God don't become the view and opinion of us as believers in Christ. Now, if you're not a believer yet, this series should encourage you and challenge you to see God for who he truly is. You might have heard some things about God that you believe. You might believe be believing the wrong things simply because you've heard that God is a God of wrath, a God of punishment, a God who is angry with us, a God who holds everything against us, a God of religion who is constantly looking for our service. Um, and um, also that uh, we, in the world, people call acts of God um, disasters that happen. So natural disasters are all blamed on God. And so we've been dealing with that in the series. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't actually listened to the first few parts, please go and look for it or let us know so we can send it to you because it works the best if you are following us from the start. And uh, this is an awesome topic to be sharing with you. But also want to remind you that we are looking at it slowly because we are touching the nature of God. We are looking at God Almighty. And if he is who he says he is, which we believe he is, then he is greater than our imagination, our thoughts, greater than anything our mind can comprehend. Yet he chooses to reveal himself to us through his word and the scriptures, uh, the Bible. And so uh, we're going to do our best. I don't have the answer for everything, but I do trust that as you've been listening to the series, it's been touching you in your relationship with God. I trust that if you don't have a relationship with God yet, that the series is helping you to decide about where you stand with your relationship with God and actually seeking him and finding him through Jesus Christ. And uh, then I also believe that as we share these truths, God is through his spirit revealing personal um, hurts possibly that you might have, that you have thought God had done something which is not in his nature, not who he truly is. And therefore, God can bring healing by revealing those areas to you. So um, as we start, we last week, 
we kind of stopped for a while and we looked at some of the difficult scriptures or difficult stories or accounts in scripture. And um, so we took the, the bird's eye view, if you want to say it like that, the overall view of the nature of God. Do we believe his good? Yes. Do we believe his only good? Yes. So how do we explain evil? How do we explain wrong things? How do we explain where it looks like people are just being killed by God in the Old Testament? Um, how do we explain the flood? How do we explain Sodom and Gomorrah? So um, we lost teaching. We looked at the flood. And I really believe that was good for you as it was for me. And uh, now we're going to turn to Sodom and Gomorrah, which is another difficult thing. If you don't know about Sodom and Gomorrah, then I want to encourage you to go and read it for yourself. Um, and I will give you the scriptural reference to do that. However, this is a account in the scriptures where God basically, um, we read it like God condemning a whole city, actually two. And um, all the people in the city dies except uh, one man and his family. And so this can be really difficult for us to understand how can a loving God do things like this. And that's what we are attempting to do. But as we get into this, and as I've said from the start, we must always remember that although um, God is perfect, he can operate in a will that is not his perfect will. Hear me out. It is. And the reason why he does that is not because he's wrong. Not because he changes, because scripture says he is the same, but it is because man has free will and many times God has to operate around around man's will and man partners his will sometimes with the devil's will and then God has to operate in a way that moves around that as well. And it's because of his mercy and his grace that he does this. It's not because he is weak or meek. It's because... He is merciful, he is gracious, and he is kind, but he is also righteous and holy and the judge of the whole world. And praise God for that, because he is a good judge, full of mercy, full of compassion, and full of light. And so when we look at these difficult things, the very first thing we must establish in our heart is Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 explains God to us. God asked Moses to write down this account and what he is trying to do is reveal himself to the world. And what he's revealing about himself is that he's a God of light, life, purpose. He is a good God who makes good things and that he was before the created thing. It also gives us the perfect image of how God created human beings to be. We were created in his image to represent and bring God's image into the earth through how we love, serve, um, how we use our authority, how we lead, how we engage with God, basically through our relationship with God. However, man fails and man chose not to believe, to listen to the voice of the enemy. And since then, since that moment, things had to happen, which was not always in line with God's perfect will. Not all of it, but loads of it. Mm. So, Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, we have to start first with reading about a, what a prophet says, Ezekiel, um, many, many years later. And this will really help us if we carry this in our heart to understand the scriptures. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says this, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. 
but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Change your way of thinking. Turn back in repentance from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Here we hear the heart of God speaking to man through the prophets. And the prophet is basically saying, listen, yes, the wicked perish, but God takes no pleasure in their death. What would he rather want? He wants them to turn from their way and live, but he does not want them just to continue living the way they are. Evil has never, ever, ever brought the image of God onto the earth, ever. Therefore, um, God does not do evil so good can come. Next week we're talking about that. But also we need to know that from the scripture, it is clear that God is saying, turn. We need to change the way we think about God, turn back to him and forsake our evil ways. And that is exactly, that is directed to um, to mankind. That we need to, that mankind has to turn back from God. Look at the world, look at scripture, and we will see that this there's this call to turn away from ourselves, turn away from our thinking and, and knowledge of the world and wisdom of the world, and to turn to God and to see ourselves when we receive salvation by making Lord Jesus the Lord of our lives, because he is already Lord, we receive him as Lord of our lives. And when we do that, we become new creations. We are able to follow God's heart, hear God's will, and do God's will on the earth and bring his kingdom into a world that does not represent his kingdom at all. So we see here, this is the heart of God. He does not take pleasure in death. However, he also cannot let the wicked just continue on the earth. Why? Well, just look at what's happening in the world. Um, would you like Hitler to just continue for the rest of eternity um, with what he's doing? Um, think about the bad leaders or evildoers of your time and your country and the evil things that they've done. What if they just continued forever and ever and ever? Would that be a righteous God who just says that's okay? Now we know that when where we're reading is also really important. When we want to understand the Bible, we have to very... Uh, be very careful to realize where are we reading. And we need to know from the start that we are reading this account in Genesis. It really happened, but it happened most probably somewhere between 4,000 to 5,000 years ago. A time that we also struggle to imagine. We struggle to imagine living 500 years ago without internet, the phone and, and um, airplanes and technology. Imagine how difficult it is for us to see back then. We also need to remember that when God when God does what he does, he does it righteously, not just in his sovereign power, like I am God, how dare you argue with me? No, he does it sovereignly, which means he is sovereignly in control. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, but he is also righteous far above our righteousness. So don't ever stand in judgment of God as if we are more righteous than him going, how dare you do this? No, no. Let's turn it around and start judging mankind in a good way by saying, okay, maybe man is to blame here. In today's day and age, nobody wants to blame anyone. It's never our fault, but that's wrong. Mm. Because God is not at fault. We also need to remember that this is written years and years, therefore, before the crucifixion death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now this will not happen again until the final judgment, uh, which is when Jesus comes back, when he returns in his glory, as the scriptures have said. 
And so I hope to shed some light on that as well through the series. But here we go. Uh, many people only read the account of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, but you are wrong in doing that because Genesis, actually the account of Sodom and Gomorrah starts in Genesis 18. If you want to read there, it's Abraham talking to God. God came to visit Abraham with two other angels. It seems like they are angelic beings. And so these three men arrive. Abraham serves a whole meal to them with his wife. They give the promise of his son. And then what happens next is that they are about to leave. But Abraham walks with the men as he sends them off. Now watch what happens here. Now Abraham was a friend of God and he's one of the Old Testament examples of a New Testament believer. What do I mean by that? He's someone who lived thousands of years ago, who understood something about relationship with God and about how to have friendship with him based on believing in him, not based on his own works of being good enough. So this man, Abraham, was walking, and he was um, walking with God and these two angelic beings. So it says from verse 16, then the man, um, I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible, then the men rose up from there, this is from their food, and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, shall I hide? So the Lord is now speaking to himself, and he says in himself, uh, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, since Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. What is God's heart that we should do on the earth? Righteousness and justice. So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And the Lord said, so now he turns to Abraham and he speaks to Abraham and he says, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see whether they have done entirely at the, as the outcry, which has come to me, indicates. And if not, I will know. Now this shows the relationship between Abraham and God. This is an Old Testament example of someone who walked with God, and God actually reveals himself to his friend, speaks to him as a friend. Do you know that it's possible to have such a relationship with God today and even greater? When you have Jesus, he becomes the way to having an intimate, personal relationship with God where you can talk to God, but he can talk to you and reveal his plans to you. Now watch Abraham's response. Abraham does not stop God. It is not like, oh God, this is too harsh. You are unrighteous. How dare you kill people? This is Completely not his response. Watch what Abraham does, who lived in that time, who knew the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom. So now these two angelic beings leave, while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. So Abraham approached God and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? So what is he saying? That city is wicked. Suppose there are 50 people, uh, righteous people within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Isn't that incredible? Abraham knew that God is a just God and that he stands for those who are righteous. Now, how did he know that? Because God had declared Abraham righteous 
not based on his works, but based on faith in God. And so Abraham knew by experience what it means to be counted righteous. And he, what you don't know is chapters, like a few chapters before this story, him and his cousin, um, they, Lot, they um, separate or nephew, I'm getting confused with English terms, but him and Lot, they split up and Lot moves to Sodom. And he chooses Sodom. And actually already in chapter 13, Genesis 13, 13, it is said of Sodom that the men were indeed great, um, were indeed uh, evil. And so we see that I think that Abraham knew what was happening in Sodom because he had a relative there who was living there and who would have spoken to him about what was happening there. And so he says, would you destroy all of it? What if you only found 50? Okay, in a whole city, just 50 who believe in you, basically. So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the entire place on their account. Look at the heart of God, people. God, sometimes we read it like this. If I should find only 50, it would be too little. Um, And this is the problem with us when we see God as this God who's out there just to catch you and kill you. This is not the heart of God. What we see in contrast is a God who's saying, if he just finds a few, just 50, he will save the entire place because he found a few who believes. So Abraham then replies and says, Now behold, I venture to speak to the Lord, although I am only dust um, and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Well, you destroy the entire city because of five. Now, what does Abraham do here? He realizes in himself that because he knows Sodom, he doesn't know if God will even find 50 there who believe. So he says, well, what if there's only 45? Will you destroy it? And watch what God says. And he, God said, I will not destroy it if there are 45 there. And I spoke to him, and Abraham spoke to him yet again and said, suppose 40 are found there? And God said, I will not do it on account of the 40. Then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry and I shall speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, now behold, I venture to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And God said, I will not destroy it on account of the 20. And he said, oh, my Lord, not do not be angry. And shall I speak only this once? Suppose 10 are found there. And what does God say? And he said, I will not destroy it on account of the 10. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. Look at this. Does this sound like a God who's angry and ready to destroy people and kill people and just um, destroy nations? Not at all, my dear friend. This is a God who is slow to anger, who is abounding in mercy and graciousness, and who listens to the prayer, the requests of the righteous. This is a request. This is like a prayer Abraham has with God. He's speaking to him. They're having a conversation. And he's saying, Abraham is saying, if you find 10, think about the reality of this. Abraham started with 50 and dropped the count to 10 because he wasn't sure if God would even find 50. And even to 10, God still said, I will not destroy it. What would have happened if Abraham said, God, 
What if you only find one? But Abraham stopped. And so we know that from this account, it is so clear to see how loving God is and how good he is, but that he is also righteous. You know, there's many, many accounts outside of scripture where they looked at archaeological findings and from places like Sodom and Gomorrah and things that were happening in the world, the known world back then, that there were things happening there which would just is just horrible. And people have gone as far as saying that if places like that were spared, by the time Jesus had to be born, there would have been no virgin in the world through which the conception could have happened. This is incredible. Okay, man left to his own will always, always seek to the lowest form of life. Um, we will not become better and better. If you leave man without God, they will become worse and worse. So why do you think Adam lowered the count? Because he knew the people. God doesn't delight in distraction, destruction. Man has authority over earth and we can either partner with God to see God's will come on the earth or we can do what Sodom and Gomorrah did when man decides to partner with the devil and see his work come to earth. But we also, like Abraham, if you're a believer, you can partner with God and see his will come to the earth. The next chapter now shows us the heart of the people. Okay, look at what happens here. The, okay, so we know now that the angels go to see what is happening here. And... Um, they then find out that this this place is horrible, okay? I want to read it to you actually from the actual Bible so you can also turn there. We can go to Genesis. We're going to go to 19. I just see our time is so short. Um, I really want to read it for you. So I'm just going to start with the account. So the angels go. Actually, you're going to have to read it on your own. Go to Genesis 19 and read just the first part of Genesis. You'll see what happens there. But Lot, the angels go to Sodom. Lot sees them and Lot actually kind of forces them to stay in his house because actually Lot knows that it's not safe. The angels wanted to stay outside. However, Lot knew it wouldn't be safe. He invites them in. That evening, just as they're getting ready to bed, the men come knocking at the door and most uh, translations will indicate that it was all the men of the city. And they all came to have sexual intercourse with these two new men in the city. And they were basically planning to rape them. Um, and they were planning to do this no matter what the cost. And then a lot goes out to try and speak to them about this and they would not move away. They even said they would do worse to him. Now, the reason for the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is not only because of this sin, but it is for all their sin. Because the whole nation, remember, God has designed it that he, God, is the head. Then he created man uh, to um, next and he created female next. So actually male leadership is super important so if the male leaders of the city were all engaging in evil deeds like this this isn't something they've done this isn't the first time they're doing it this is something that was normal to them in their city and so they because the men who are supposed to be leaders of the city who are supposed to bring God's image and they're supposed to be the image bearers of God in their city if they fail to do it then the city is lost because how can the women and children follow? 
And so many times this is the problem even today. And so they were actually upset with Lot that Lot even came out and spoke to them and said, this is wrong and called him a judge of all of them. And this even happens today when you speak the truth in love and when you speak up against um that which is wrong. When we bring the gospel saying that there is a need for salvation, people think that we are preaching at them. But the truth is that we know that mankind needs salvation. They need to be saved from the sinful condition that we are in, which is not just works, but it's actually our nature as human beings fall short of the glory of God without salvation. And so what happens is that the angels pull Lot back into the house and then they tell Lot to get out of the city. Okay, They strike the men with blindness. The men still continue fighting until they get um, tired to get into the house, which shows the condition of the man's heart. And then Lot escapes with his family, only with his family. He even goes out. The angels give him time and say, go find whoever you can. That sounds exactly like what God and Abraham was talking about. And take them with you and get out you know what the people did who he went to speak to his sons-in-laws? They laughed at him, thinking that he was playing a joke. They mocked him. Wow, what a condition of the heart. If you compare the two chapters and you look at the condition of God's heart compared to the condition of the man's heart, that is shocking. And so we see here that the reality is that evil is evil and God is righteous. And um, God always makes a way out. Look at Lot, you know, he made a way out. In fact, if you read it, you'll be quite shocked to see that the angels kind of force Lot to leave the city. They're like, go, go, get out. Come on, go. This is incredible to see. Now, we know that the devil is at work here as well. He's not mentioned there, but John 10, 10 and John 8, 44 confirms that he's the one who wants to seek to kill, steal and destroy and that he's the one who... Um, was a murderer from the start. But also when we look at 2 Peter, so if you turn to 2 Peter 2, verse 5 to 9, then you're going to see something really incredible. We started with the first few scriptures, which was about Noah. You can read that on your own. But if you jump to verse 6, you're going to see in 2 Peter 2, from verse 6, And if he, God, condemned the cities of Sodom, to, Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example of what is coming for the ungodly, this is not for the godly. And even though it's for the ungodly, and you may know nations or people who are ungodly, it's also not for us to be speaking that against them. I've heard Christians saying things like, oh, that city will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Who do you think you are? You are not God. This is not the heart of God. And we see from the account that if there was any other way, God would not have had to do this. And we see that one day there will be a return and Christ will come back for sure. And we will be like Lot. We will be like Noah. We will be like Abraham on the side of God. And the world will be judged because they have had the opportunity. Every single one will have the opportunity to hear. And I believe, and you might think, I used to think this, what about those who don't get the opportunity to hear? Leave that in God's hands. He is gracious. Just look at this account. He's got a plan. But for those who have heard, and those who have had the, the opportunity to make a decision, there will be a final day. And when we die, um, when we one day, whenever we die, it's also important to realize that that moment is, is it's done. Your life on earth is when you get to make your decision about who you want to follow whether you want to follow God and therefore follow Jesus and make him Lord of your life and be reconnected to God and enjoy a friendship with him and a relationship with him. That is 
the whole purpose of our life. And then we become new creations and the rest of our life. We figure out what it means to be a new creation on earth. And we bring God's kingdom of light and love and righteousness and holiness. Um, but we don't go around telling everybody you're going to die and go to hell. Definitely not. We are telling people about the good news of Jesus and his goodness and the goodness of the Father. And so we see in verse 7 that it says, If if he, God, rescued righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the perverted conduct of unscrupulous people, for by what he saw and heard, that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from a trial and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. That does not mean that God has reserved some to die um, who are unrighteous, who will never choose him, and others he's chosen to receive salvation. No, he wants all to come into the knowledge of God. But as we saw from the account, some people will just mock this and say, what do you know about God? Who is God? And they will choose to walk away from the message of salvation, which is also partly the message that Lot brought. And so uh, in John 5, verse 24, we read this very encouraging verse, which I want to share with you as we end. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word, this is Jesus, and believes him who sent me, has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. That is incredible. Yes, there is a final judgment. And when we die also, there will be a judgment. There will be a time when you will stand before God and you will need to answer what you did with the person of Jesus, the Savior. And so that is true. But you know, when you receive him, when you have Jesus, you have God's kind of life, the eternal life living inside of you through his spirit. You have become new on the inside when you put your faith and trust in him to make you right, because then you also believe in God. And you have passed from that judgment into life. You've passed from death into life. That's incredible. So we may know that this account that is true and did happen never has to happen again because of what Jesus did. But also we can know for sure that when the end comes and we are maybe still alive in this generation and Jesus returns, we will be on the side of the righteous. And that is really encouraging. If you've not made that decision yet, I hope that this encourages you to start thinking about this and to make your decision. Um, not because God will destroy you, but because sin is destroying you. The fact that you're not connected in a relationship with God, that is what's destroying you. The fact that your heart is longing to be reconnected to God, that is what's keeping it from being, well, that is what destroys it, is this longing. And Jesus is the way God has made a way. And I want to encourage you, there's no reason to wait. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it's as easy as praying to him and saying, Father God, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that Jesus is your son, or the son, you can even just say the Savior. He is the Savior. He has died for me and he has risen from the dead. And I receive him as my personal Lord and Savior. And once you've done that with your heart and with mouth confession, you became a new creation reconnected to God. And please, if that has happened and you don't know what's next, contact us. We would love to just support you, pray with you and disciple you so that you may experience the fullness of that which God has given you so that you may see him for who he is and enjoy the reality of your faith as God intended it to be.
You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.